Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome to another episode of the My Muslim Family podcast, a platform that aims to examine the challenges faced by Muslim parents today and support the family through conversation, education and tools to navigate these challenges towards a truly God-conscious life. Today I will be speaking to Dr. Kothar Abbas about marital harmony and how to reconnect with your spouse. Many of us will be sadly familiar with marriages which seem harmonious that suddenly end in divorce. It is painful for those immediately affected, but also for, the, for wider family and friends. This is sadly common in the UK, where it is estimated that more than a third of marriages end in divorce. And one of the biggest cited reasons is conflict behaviour, impacting the evaluation of the marriage by the couple. So how can we recognise these destructive behaviours in ourselves, as well as in our spouse, and how can we redirect our failing, unfulfilling relationships, moving towards a marriage that is more in line with the Quranic description of mawadda and rahmah, which are often translated as loyalty, love, intimacy, and mercy. Every, everyone, I'm sure, aspires to have that. Inshallah, you find today's conversation insightful and helpful and thought-provoking. So we are delighted today to have uh, Dr. Kothar Abbas. Salam and thank you for being with us, Dr. Kothar. Alaikum salam. I'm very excited actually because um, Zainab, you're my friend, you're my good friend. So it feels like a conversation, our normal conversation that we're having. And uh, It does, um, a little bit different. Yeah. It feels a little bit more scary, but it's, uh, it's really lovely to be chatting to you. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Likewise. <laughs> alhamdulillah. I know we have lots of uh, common interests in this, these sorts of areas as well. So inshallah, it'll be a fruitful discussion and beneficial to uh, a lot of people. Inshallah. inshallah. So we'll kick off um, with your Instagram page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you're sort of, you haven't done this for years, Instagram and sort of social media and, and putting yourself out there. Um, but your posts with uh, Dr. Ali are engaging they are um informal sometimes they're very ad hoc um and most recently you did raise the topic of connection in marriage um so what made you choose that and how important do you think it is uh well thank you for your kind words i mean the instagram thing is all feels like a bit of a like watching someone else because it's very much out of my comfort zone <laughs> Um, I guess it's one of the benefits of marriage is that sometimes one party can push the other one to doing things that are outside their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. um, and they're literally sometimes conversations that we've had that we say, well, it might be a good idea to, to, to redo this conversation or to sort of talk about it a little bit. So it's very much unrehearsed. And the last time, I mean, the last time we talked about connection and the, the importance of reconnecting, you know, we've been married for, um, 17 years but um we can also you know you've been married for even longer but you know what it's like that you can almost become um complacent in that marriage or mm -hmm. it can almost become uh, quite such routine a, such a routine that you know you forget that you have to keep working at it Yes. Um, and we actually fell into a bit of that uh, over sort of Muharram Safar. We were both just doing really crazy schedules and just realised sort of at the end of it was also the summer holidays and it was also, you know, it, you don't get that sort of time, quality time, just the two of you. And you mm -hmm. realise 
the really impacts, even if it's just a temporary thing, even if it's just a couple of months yeah. of, of chaos. Um, and our lives are such that I, I don't know what it's like anywhere else, but definitely in London, as you know very well, we're, we're just on this continual hamster wheel. So it's very easy to put it at the lowest part of your priority because you take it for granted so much. So if your if your relationship is sort of well, you know, I'm married now, I did the hard part, I found the partner, I did all the years, but you know, and then you can kind of settle oh, tick, into tick, tick. complacency and mm. you can settle into um routine, like you say, and actually forget forget that you are with someone that's continually changing and that you are continually changing. You mm. know. Um we think Sometimes we form images of our part, of our spouse in our head, whether it's our husband or our wife, of ourselves even. I'm like this, he's like this, and we think we know them better than anyone else. You know, mm. oh, I know, him. I know him better than anyone else. He's like this and like this and like this. But who I am now is very, very different to how I was five years ago, ten years ago. And if I haven't made the time to get to know my spouse, actually, it may be that with time, I don't know him as well even close to as well as I thought you know um so it feels like connection has to be redone continuously continuously Mm. almost every day that has to be reconnecting and if there is a period of time where you do not make that a priority or don't make time for it then it just drifts and it's a very subtle drift that you don't see until you get you get intimate arguments and and at that point it's very diff- it's, it's harder to, to repair your ruptures uh or just you just start drifting you start talking less um and we've seen it and it doesn't feel good does it you it, things don't feel as harmonious things don't feel as natural things become t- more tense so it, it you can pick it up and yeah i mean when when that connection is not there with your spouse, the closest person to you, uh, in theory. Um, I think, I think you just get more frustrated at things. I think, I think the whole family dynamic, kids pick up on it. Mm. Um, the whole feel and atmosphere at home is different. Um, and you get to this stage and we've seen it unfortunately in, 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 in people that have, have been married for longer than us where the kids have flown the nest, where, you suddenly they're all like having their own lives and actually you're sitting or waking up to a stranger essentially someone that maybe you thought you knew or you knew at some point and but through the years because you've been so lost in life admin in the kids in the house in the bills in the whatever life basically that, that you actually you're actually suddenly in the realization that you've got you don't know what you've got in common you don't really know what goes on in this other person's life and so we just felt like um we had to remind ourselves when we made that video that we need to be making the time and prioritizing we need to be making the time prioritizing every day to reconnect every single day um because if there's a period of time that it goes without them slowly slowly we may be drifting without us realizing i think prioritization is actually a real point here because it feels like um like you said it's something that had become so habitual and routine that you don't think you know many of us don't think to schedule in 
time to reconnect. It's another task on top of all the other tasks that are all pressing that need to happen. Um, so that the prioritization, I think, really will probably resonate with people that it's 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 high priority, but it, I guess the urgency isn't there a lot of the time. I think that the less you do it, the harder it becomes and the more mm-hmm. mature it becomes. You know, people say marriage is, is work. And I, and I 100% agree. I, I think that, you know, the work is it, in finding the spouse is hard. The work in the first few years is hard, but the work is continual. But it doesn't have to be hard and it doesn't have to be a chore and it doesn't have to be something that you feel you have to schedule in. It can be something that you look forward to, that you're excited with, that you reignite this excitement. But if you let it slip for a while, it can become like a chore. It can become really heavier. So sometimes at the beginning, it might be a case of I have to schedule this in and where am I going to schedule it? Almost, you know, very clinical, very businesslike. But with time, if you're doing it correctly and you're connecting well, you can actually look forward to those times. You could be saying, well, that actually... We've been out the whole day, um, you know, I'm going to, you know, my husband's out late today, for example, he might be, might have something in the evening. I'm going to wait for him so that we can just catch up for 10 minutes because I actually look forward to knowing how his day was, how he is. Um, it's hard to keep that, that curiosity going because, um, like I said, familiarity, complacency is not very exciting. And after a while, like, that's what marriage can feel like. Um so it doesn't have to feel like a burden, but it, it has to start. It has to always be a priority. Uh, yeah. And it might start. Yeah. It needs active, active intentionality, right? I think not, not sort of leaving it to happen because it may not awareness. happen. Yes, yes, mm. it won't happen. It won't happen. If you're not conscious and aware, um, you could you just take each other for, for granted. You're always going to be there, you know, so, you know, we'll, yeah. Yeah, you know, we'll schedule in that day. And I think, like you said um, about looking forward to hearing about his day, I'm sure he looks forward to sharing about his day because a lot will happen. Just like we know with our children, we're so keen to find out what's happened at school. You know, if they went to a party, what happened in the party, or when you pick them after a residential, what happened then? And yes, we want to hear about it, but they also love sharing. And I guess it, that's how you know you you do build that interest. Yeah, and they may not realise they love sharing. They may think, oh, I'm, I want to come home and I just want to kick back and not talk about it. Mm. Uh, and maybe for the beginning they won't want to, um, to you know, give men their men cave and whatever and let them have their space. Women tend to be a bit more talkative in these aspects. But actually, um, if you show yourself to be curious, cur- curious enough to ask and to be interested in, you'll actually find out that actually they kind of, they kind of like the fact that you're curious and that mm. you're interested in knowing mm. how they really are, you know. And it's not like, oh, yeah, I went today and this happened, this happened. But no, no, but how did that make you feel? And how do you feel about it? You know, it must yeah. feel like, you know, it, yeah. it, it, it can feel a bit forced initially. But actually for both parties, it's very, it, it's very nice to be able to have a release. A I'm sure. release. Yeah. 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 Helps you to relax, I'm sure. Um, I know Kothar, we're both big fans of Esther Perel, um, yes. sort of the relationships expert who talks about us being really relational beings and we feel good, we feel um, more at ease when we're connected and that's in relationships generally around us. But she does talk about the fact that we may expect too much from our spouse and 
aspects that we normally would have got from other people, like being able to share problems or, um, you know, the support in some ways, we now have kind of dropped all of that on our spouse. And the expectation now is that they will fulfill all of these elements. Um, I'm sure that probably applies to Muslim couples in the same way that applies to couples in the, in generally in the West. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Do we expect too much? Do they expect too much? Talk about expectation. Uh, yeah, so I, I love listening to Esther Perel. I've got her book, Mating in Captivity. It's really interesting about that one day. Um, <laughs> it's, so marriage has changed hugely um, from the time when our parents got married or our grandparents got married. It's unrecognisable. And what she always emphasises on, and it's very pertinent in our culture, especially because we are we are we are second generation, first generation immigrants. Mm. So we we see it firsthand. Is that people got married because it was the expected thing to do, because economic reasons, um, the man was the one that provided. It wasn't that long ago, you know, that men were the providers and still in many in many cases they are. Uh, they got married because um, it was sort of bringing together two families that knew each other. You know, there was lots of different reasons people got married. They didn't necessarily get married to find their one, their soulmate, their, their person for life, the person that's destined for them. Um, and they didn't expect that person to be their best friend, their confidant, their, you know, to, to, to be passionate with them and do all the, all the things, all the love, as well as parents mm-hmm. and everything like that. Because... Um, they had their sisters and their aunts and their cousins. And, you know, if you go to Iraq, you know, people are in and out of each other's houses. Yep. You yep. are part of something much larger than yourself. And that's, that's taken for granted. So if you need to offload, you can offload to, to your cousin or you can offload to, you know, it doesn't even have to be someone directly related. Um, whereas what's happened, I, I guess, in the, in the sort of Western model that seeped into 100% our communities and even probably even maybe even our countries um because how how do we learn about romance and relationships we either look at our parents or we look at or we look at tv movies and things like that this is how we are this is how we are understanding what what relationship and connection is now if i've grown up and i've not seen connection and i've not seen like romance and love with my parents which i may have not done because that was but that point of their lives or maybe they didn't show it to us because it wasn't the darn thing you know mm, that show yeah. affection then where am I getting my romantic ideas from from movies I grew yes. up watching a lot of romantic films so um and it was it, you know this this idea of you know meeting my soulmate that glance that look that you know so there's a huge expectation subconscious expectation that we have whether we try to rationalize it or not, that we want this person to be everything for us, to fill in all our gaps, to mm. um, even like even the idea of soulmate. And I, I've heard Esther talk about this. She says there's just no such thing. She goes, your soulmate yeah. is, she yeah. she actually, your soulmate is God. <laughs> your soulmate is God. I like that. You, you have a destiny. Mm. I, have a, I had a destiny to meet my husband and be with him. Yeah. And he was destined in my life. And there is a huge purpose and a huge um, thing that I can learn from this and expand and grow 100%. But he doesn't have to be perfect in every way. And the one, if if there's things that we can never reconcile because we are different in that way, it doesn't mean that I've lost out in life. But the problem is that when you start having these expectations on, on one person, 
it means that the thought will come in inevitably of what yeah. what is this it you know isn't is yeah. the best somewhere out there and that that little bit of a doubt means that maybe you're not working as well that your relationship is good because it's a huge pressure isn't out. it as well it's a huge pressure on that person and i guess there is the tendency to then say that this person is not fulfilling if i if i am not feeling 100% happy or i haven't achieved my goals or you know if i'm not fulfilled in my life and this the expectation is of this person to have done that for me then i guess there is that resentment there is that animosity of yeah. okay wh- what's going wrong here why are you not doing this for me yeah and there is that there is that what if and and therefore you know um we talk about infidelity in, in non-Muslim marriages, but we there's ways of, uh, of men getting married in our communities. Um, and, and the reason they may stray or the reason they may go there is they may, yeah, like you said, be thinking, I'm not getting enough out of this. This, this does not make me happy. I think that if we're chasing happiness through our relationship, we'll always fail. Happiness is a wonderful byproduct of aspects of our relationship, but it in itself... No one can give you that. No That's human being yeah. can. Yeah. That gap, the emptiness, the unfilled need is actually probably your connectivity to Allah. It's God. Our true soulmate. Um, yeah. Our true soulmate. Uh, we can connect to our spouse's soul. We can connect yeah. to our friend's soul. We can, we can have beautiful soul interactions and wonderful love. But that is not going to complete us. And I think mm. this, uh, I think when we go into marriage expecting it to, we're just going to be disappointed. Um, I think you have to have outside your marriage things that fulfill you as well. Uh, so you have to have friends or you have to have a purpose in life that's not just all wound up in this one other person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. as that well as also the spiritual side too. Yeah. But I guess there is, you know, in our hurry, hurry culture, um, we do look to movies, people look to songs, um, and they, they do build that, that sort of idea of what relationships, um, romantic relationships should be. And in, in the age of, you know, short sound bites and reels and, you know, little messages that you read and it can seem very black and white. And I think there's, there's such a, a culture of this is toxic and that's toxic and nobody wants to go near any toxicity. So you, you sort of start, you start overthinking things, you start doubting things and it creates, I think it, it can maybe plant some seeds, some negative seeds, but it doesn't really give you the full picture. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the Instagram world, no one is immune to it. The, the, mm-hmm. the ideal looking relationship and couple and all this advice. I feel like we're bombarded. These reels are so short that we're bombarded with thousands of them on a daily basis. Yes, yes. Sound bites, um, you know, inspirational quotes. I think, I think there's good in them, but it's yeah. overwhelming. Um, and so it just takes one of them to plant a, a doubt in your head or plant it, you know, or what if, what if actually this isn't good for me? What if that would have been best for me? Or what if uh, this is fear of missing out? It's this FOMO, you know, yeah, yeah. infiltrates into our, into our relationships as well. Yeah. What if I could have had better? What if, you know, what if, what if, what if? Um, yeah. Rather than embracing actually saying, okay, this is a part, this is my spouse with their faults, with their shortcomings, 
I am too. Um, am I going to be able to build on the good bits, the, the positive bits, rather than allowing the the things that we um, disagree on to, to drag us down? Um, and so it's really it, it's really difficult to get dragged into that culture of yeah. The yeah. constant advice we're getting from people uh, via social media. Yeah. But I guess the advice is sometimes too generic or sometimes too niche. And every relationship is so different and you will find your own normal. And it's, and um, it's, too, it's too brief, Zainab. I, I think our culture of these sound bites, um, they, they, they don't carry with them the nuances of the differences between no. people and relationships. Mm. They make them make it makes it all sound like it's all very sweeping and generalized and then you think there's something black wrong and white with you. as well. Yeah, mm. you think then there's something wrong with me. We we have lost the ability to um have or even listen or, or tolerate longer conversations. <laughs> about these things you know this is the um, trouble isn't it i because i you know you know me you know i love my inspirational <laughs> quotes i love yeah. my parenting quotes i love my relationship quotes yeah, i love yeah. my health which, quotes which are fine, which love. Are lovely, which are amazing, but yeah. i do find and i and i actually follow um dr john goodman and i know that yeah. you are an, a, a big fan of his um yeah. we've probably spoken about their work before but actually it's only when i started looking at the you know, a little, doing a little bit of research for this podcast that I realized the depth of the work that they had actually done. And there's so much research, there's so much evidence, there's so many principles. And really, I've just been scratching the surface with these little quotes. You know, he looks at, and I'm sure you're familiar with his work because we've spoken about it, but he talks about the the conflict behaviors and the the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which is yes. a metaphor I absolutely love because yes. it's really looking, you know, they're kind of alarm bells, aren't they? Red flags, we call them. <laughs> the yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, these being, and I, I made a note of them. I mean, one of them is contempt. Another is criticism, defensiveness and stonewalling. And really, if you just saw those four words on a quote, it's not enough to give you what you really need to know. And it's not enough to give you the, the insight um, to make you think, to make you apply it to your own relationship. So I think sometimes that's the risk, that we see these things, we think we know what they mean, and it either makes us feel good, yes, tick that box, I'm good there, or completely the opposite. And, and it doesn't really have that active process that you, you use it to, you know, to make things better. Yeah, and there's a disconnect between all the knowledge that we're gaining and the ability to put this into action. And we know that very well. Uh, you know, mm. as a doctor, I know that very well the gaps between what I tell my patients and how much I'm able to implement. <laughs> so not only are we bombarded with sound bites and little bits and little bits and pieces, um, and, and then we think, yeah, yeah, that's how it should be. But then I, I feel that 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 sometimes too much of the theoretical side is not always very helpful either because it's all about the application. It's all about our willingness and our ability to be able to see within, to be able to change ourselves. But I think that's where marriage can come. That's where marriage can help you because if you sit on your own trying to work out what it is you need to change about yourself, uh, you're always going to, A, uh, take a, a, 
you can, you're going to always be very, uh, you can be very harsh on yourself, but you're also going to see yourself sometimes through rose tinted glasses. Like when people say, oh, you know, I'm like this way with my husband only. And he's the only one that makes me like this. <laughs> Nobody yeah. else does. Yeah. That means it's not my nature or whatever. Yeah. But what's marriage on us within us is, is the hidden depths of our subconscious, of the way that we've been programmed, that way we've programmed ourselves to behave and react. Um, and so it, it really can be brings a very kind of honest mirror to our behavior, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes yeah. it's in our closest relationships. Yeah. But our yeah. instinct is to defend. Our instinct is to then go, well, well, you're like this, you know, talk about me like this, you know, and it's all about the way it's communicated. So if that, if that connection is not there, then when it comes to the arguments and when it comes to, um, you're always doing this, you're like this, no, I'm not, you know, kind of thing, you, you, you've lost the love through which yeah. this feedback has to be given. And it's, and then it's given through, like you said, contempt or it's given through other means that nobody can accept you know even if yeah. i know that i have to change something about myself if it's told to me in a way that is is is, is with contempt and looking down without love without respect without admiration yeah. if it's told yeah. to me in such a critical way my instinct is um no i'm not and you're like this and you've made me this way is to is to defend myself Do you think Kothar, that we through our culture we've inherited a little bit of this because we do tend to, um, probably not so much in our generation, but it's definitely, I, I know I, I had the first, um, I lived the first eight years in Iraq and you don't, they, they don't treat you with positivity to help you grow in Iraqi schools. I, you know, I've, I only attended one, so I don't want to generalize fully, but it, it really is about making you feel like you need to do better rather than making you feel that you can do better. Let me help you do better. Um, it's, it's, it's a combination of that. You know, I'll, I'll tell them what's wrong so that they can do what's right rather Tough than. Life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Is that, don't you think kind of we find it a little bit harder because, you know, coming from this sort of culture, um, it, it's definitely not in our religion. We, I know it's not, it's not no. in our, debate, it's not in, our, in the interactions of the Rasul, but, but I, there is some of that in probably the way we grew up, some of our schooling, um, and, and yeah. that becomes a bit of a default. Yeah, yeah, we, we are, they say that we are programmed, our subconscious, 90% of our behaviours are subconscious, and it's programmed in the first seven years of our life. Mm. So it's not programmed through what we learn, it's not programmed through what we're taught, actually. It's programmed or inspirational quotes. It's, it's programmed through what we observe. <laughs> and we are, mm. when we are, not conscious and aware when we are on our uh, autopilot we, we revert back to our subconscious mode so mm. the state of mind which has been programmed from very early on and it's and i i think yes it is a lot in our culture i think it actually is probably a lot in the western culture as well in the old in the older generations because often mm. that's how a lot of people were were raised that's how you get things done yeah. Very critical. It's a very critical way, you know, if I if I if I'm too soft and we still think like this sometimes with our children. Mm. If I'm too soft with them. Or if I'm too whatever, you know, if I if I don't like put my foot down and you know and it's not about if we talk about children another time, it's not about boundaries and things like that, but it's it's about um it's, 
So it's about approaching it from a very critical angle. Yeah. Uh, I, I was, I was very, I was very blessed and fortunate. I don't think my parents were overly critical. So I don't think that's, um, necessarily my default state. But I, I see in a lot of people who were raised in that way that that is the voice that, that is, that's what mm. comes inside their head. That, yeah. you know, I agree. Time, Alhamdulillah, I was very lucky in that respect as well. But I do feel, um, there were part, elements. But it, but it comes through generations. So even if yeah, they were, did it well, they may have, you know, because it's, it's learned behavior through multiple generations. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and what happens is that when it's your default state, that becomes your little voice in your head. I'm not yeah. good enough. I'll never be good enough. I have to prove myself through this and that. Um, and the spark of all arguments, you know, that on the surface of arguments between and, and marriages, it might be, it might look like it's about money or it's about in-laws or it's about, but underneath, it's all about your insecurities. It's all about, am I loved? Am I appreciated? You know, am I, you know, am I good enough? Am I worthy? All of these questions that you may have grown up asking that you think that your self-worth is attached to certain things. So and underneath all of it, you kind of say, when you're arguing, you're kind of asking the same things to yourself, you know, the state of, yeah. state of uh, yeah. feeling not unworthy, I guess, inside yourself. Yeah, no, Absolutely. You did mention children, so yeah. let's bring it to children. So children arrive and they mess up the dynamic completely in most cases. How do children impact the marital relationship? Well, children impact straight away because as soon as you get pregnant, a woman feels completely different. They can underestimate uh, the effects of hormones on women. Um, and when you, when you first have your baby, not only is your relationship changed forever, because it has, it'll never be like it was ever again. Um, also, like biologically, all over the place, um, you maybe, you know, they call it the baby blues or, you know, or worse, postnatal depression, whatever. You're, you're, you're not, not in the best state, you know, initially. And then we talked about the importance of continual connection. You, it may be a, a very long time where you're in this like really dazed state, <laughs> uh, looking after you, like not sleeping, not whatever. There is no time for connection and, and we can allow that, I guess. But the problem is the longer that that goes on, the hot that, you know, it can really come to your normal foundations weren't there. If the foundations of your relationship weren't there, i.e. similar values, you know, a little bit of a built foundation work that you built on, a baby, a child has a potential to rupture because it exposes everything out there yeah and obviously it's the source of a huge amount of conflict because our values and our default state we were talking about all come out through our children yeah. and so you're suddenly seeing your, your you're suddenly seeing your husband or your wife in a different way because they'll start interacting with their child you know according to their own values and how they've been raised and their subconscious and all of that so it's hugely disrupting to marriage it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be in a bad way, but it, it, it is it is a change, a massive change, as any life event will be, any death, any, any anything. But a, a child will change the dynamics of you and your spouse's relationship. And then, so when you if nothing about, else, it just makes both parties so much busier. Um, yeah, all of a yeah, sudden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and when, so when you've got off, when you've got over the dazed aspect of the sleepless nights and the hormone mm-hmm. change. You have to then make a real conscious effort to 
rebuild the connection because uh-huh. the connection through your child is beautiful. It's really nice. Like yeah. you're both in love with this child and they mean the world to you, but um, you, you need to then reestablish the connection between the two of you. Um, and it's a different type of connection now. It's like ste- stealing moments here or there rather than you know, the long you know, days and the, the lions or whatever you might, you might have had before or the, the proper dates uh, or the yeah. days away. It's, it's the stealing of the little bits. And that's when I think the hardest bit starts because then it's understanding that you don't need the necessarily the time. You just need the oh. little bits of the connection throughout yeah and so yeah a child micro doses everything. Yeah. yeah child changes everything <laughs> so if they do change everything yes. or even I, I mean obviously couples take um you know sometimes they take a year or two or they, sometimes they take longer before they have children but yeah. they often start off um quite focused on each other on their relationship and it, it's gradual, isn't it? Like, like you said, it's not something that, you know, happens overnight, but you find after some time that the connectedness maybe goes, the energy goes, and the giving maybe can be stumped, stumped a little bit as well. So what do you think happens to cause that? Is it just that we're busier? Or, you know, the marriage, we don't realize we need to work at it. What do you think is happening in those years? I mean, everything at the beginning of whatever you're starting is new and it's exciting. Mm. You know, whether it's a new job or a new friendship or a new enterprise or a new business. And then it settles and it's not so exciting anymore because it's familiar. And I think it's a very similar thing. You know, it was interesting because I had, I think think it was Esther, I heard some podcast where she said, you know, you go to a cafe and look around you. And look at people when they're talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and you can, it's those people that are like really looking into each other's eyes and really like focusing and they're really laughing engaged. and they're like yeah. interactive with this conversation. They're probably yeah. not the ones who've been married for a while. <laughs> they're probably either <laughs> at the beginning of their marriage or they're in their dating phase yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, or their friends or their friends who are just yeah. like, you know, and, and you hear this yeah. a lot. Couples saying, um, oh, he's so, you know, so animated or she's so animated with her friends and then she comes home and I get left. <laughs> I think it's literally complacency and familiarity. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the interesting thing about Esther Perel's work, Mating in Captivity, is she talks about this dichotomy between we want marriage for security and love and comfort, mm-hmm. especially women who want marriage for security, it, men as well, to be honest, but they, they may not know that's why they want marriage. But, you know, security, love, comfort, you know, a friend. But at the same time, we want it to be passionate and we want it to be, you know, like the movies different and new and so how do you reconcile the familiar with the 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 forbidden or the the, or the you know how do you keep it yeah how how do you you keep keep it so exciting and new all the time exactly and 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 one of the key messages is there has to be um enough connection but enough separateness (laughs) to keep that curiosity and you have to be curious have to be really curious you're spouse will be constantly constantly dropping hints for connection they call it uh, Gottman calls it bids for connection mm. we talk about it in general practice in consultation models as cues so your, your patient's sitting and they're saying you know I've got this headache blah 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 and things are being really tough and blah, blah, blah. and then that's their cue 
they they, they yeah. t- told you something about themselves. They they're trying to open up, maybe, or they don't even know the trying to. So your 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 spouse is constantly giving you cues about themselves. The problem is about how they're feeling. That it might be a sigh, it might be a word. The yeah. problem is because we become so familiar, so complacent, and <laughs> um, busy. We and busy. And busy. I think busyness is a is a good cover all for for all other failings. You know, we're just busy. <laughs> Um, we, we shot, we look, we, we lose that conscious state that we were in yes. when we first were caught in. We lose, we lose yeah. the curiosity to ask more. What, yeah. what's, what's wrong? What's been happening? Making an effort to read. We're not curious. We're not curious. And so with time, you know, it becomes, it can become like very purely platonic <laughs> because you're kind of just like living in each other, cohabiting, trying to sort out the, you know, so the, Yes, that also that the chemistry is more maybe more there initially, but you can reignite the chemistry, you can reignite the passion, um, um, but I think that's the main thing that changes with time is that you you settle into to familiarity and and, and the comfort yeah. knowing this person's there and dependable and will always be there, which is very comforting but not very. It's, it's interesting <laughs> you say um, that that. You know, women and and men do want the same things from um, from marriage because I think a lot of us probably wouldn't think that for, at first. Um, but I know we were uh, we attended a workshop together in the summer where um, it was actually you know we we got together into groups and we were asked about this very thing and. You know, we did realize that actually the, you know, the husband and the wife, they do look for the same. They all want to be, you know, they both want to be appreciated. They don't, they both want to feel connected. They both do want, you know, rest and they both want, you know, I think it's, it's, there's so many more similarities than we probably give credit to. Um, but I, it, it, things do seem to go wrong. And a lot of it, I guess, is based around, and you've spoken about this on your, your Instagram um, post sometimes, on, on conflict. So what mm-hmm. is it about conflict? And we mentioned it a little bit earlier in um, the work of Gottman, John Gottman. What is it about conflict that brings out the worst in people? And how can we use conflict in a good way? Because I guess there, there will always be conflict. Is it possible not to have conflict? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think people who are not having conflict in their marriage are either lying about it or um, don't talk. Mm. No. If you if you wanted a very placid uh, marriage where you're kind of living as roommates, mm-hmm. like you know, then yeah, you may not. There's too much separateness, I guess. You won't talk. You just live parallel lives. But if if then if there's going to be any kind of a passion or a spark in marriage, there has to be a conflict because there's no two people that are alike. There's no two people that have worked on their issues enough. Conflict just brings out our own inner issues, our own baggage, like we said, that we've been carrying for a while. And um, and the conflict, some of them are things that you can compromise on and work through. And sometimes there are conflicts that, sometimes there are, differences that are just never going to change and it's knowing which ones those are and being able to handle those with um 
managing them, I guess. No, no, it's, no it's, it's being able always to, gonna be to there. Yeah, it's being able to reconcile them. I think that what people might say is that what we tend to, some couples tend to want to do is just sort of bury the con- the things that they disagree about, just sort of put put it away and not yeah. talk about it. It's the big elephant in the room and just hope that um, it, it will just go away by itself uh, or, or that, you know, if we don't approach it, then it's not going to be an issue. But it always comes up, you know, if you've got a resentment or if you're holding a grudge or if, you, you know, it always, it always come up some way or the other. Those yeah. people, maybe our mom's generation, I, I feel like that with our mom's generation, they suppressed a lot of their, you know, especially the woman, was ex- she was expected to, maybe this sounds very feminist, my husband will say I'm being feminist, but they, she was expected to shoulder a lot of the burdens and suppress all of her. Yeah. And not express her, her needs in the same way. But yeah. it'll come out. It'll come out some way or the other. And often it'll come out later in life with, with all their physical problems or it'll come yeah. out with some, you know, it'll, yeah. it'll come out psychologically or it'll, it'll come out in some way. So it's very necessary to be able to know how to deal with the conflicts, not mm. to pretend that a perfect marriage is that that doesn't have any, but to say that this is an inevitable, but I, it doesn't need to be a fight. It doesn't need to be, uh, like you said, including all the, the uh, you know, the horsemen of the apocalypse. It doesn't need to include really horrible, you know, there, there can be ways that you can fight better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes in that initial conflict, when there's a heightened emotion and it's all coming out, the, the, goal at that point is just um to cool cool down the fire and then finding ways to discuss those later is really important Mm. but i think when we're talking about connecting with each other it's not talking about the differences between you and it doesn't mean trying to pretend that the conflicts don't exist or the differences don't exist but there's a time and a place for them there's a way to approach them and actually, sometimes you don't need to talk through all of it. Um, and it might come out bits, but sometimes just finding commonalities, things you're appreciative for, things, ways to love each other and finding ways to connect then makes it a little bit easier to broach the difficult okay. picks when the time is right. But yeah, there has to be, there has to be. You so how can we do it. that? Some, let's let's have some practical tips. How okay, are we going yeah, to reconnect? It's all very theoretical, isn't it? So how do we do what? How do we come <laughs> how back? How do we reconnect? What are some simple tips to reconnect? And maybe they can't be simple. Maybe they, they do need work and they do need a bit more. They can be work. simple. They can be simple. So, so number one is the regularity of them. So like I said, if every day you make a five minute, 10 minute window, whatever it might be to just have a non, you're not talking about the problems or conflicts and you're doing it in a very undistracted way as you're just sitting with each other. Some people find it easier to talk to each other than others. Sometimes it might feel forced. There are people that are just not naturally talkative. Like I said, some people might not be in the mood to talk, but it's not about talking about your problems or you know let's talk about this this disagreement we had the other yeah, day yeah. no it's about a- no agenda no agenda for this meeting it's just it's just curiosity yeah it's just how you know are you okay mm. asking the big questions getting to know this this person in front of you a little bit more not thinking that you understand them automatically because you've been married this many years but saying to yourself no actually how are you doing how are you really doing yeah. 
who are, you know, where are you at the moment? You know, where, where, where's your mind? Where's your, just allowing each other to upload with no distractions. There has been no laptops or phones in the vicinity yeah. at all at this point. And watching a movie and stuff like that, connecting that way is nice, but that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> you can do stuff yeah. like that together. Well, that's what nice. about texting? Texting, is that a cop out or can, or does it need, does it need to be in person? Um, I think I, some, I think sometimes so. the odd look at, look at I the find. I yeah. find text sometimes if you know that somebody, um, if I know that I'm going through, you know, I've got an interview or um, yes. I've got a particularly busy day and I get a text that says, oh, I hope everything's going well. Yes. I know you were worried about this. And it's very yes. simple, but yes. it does yes. make you feel that someone's thinking about you. Yes. And and I try to do that with my husband as well. I think just sometimes, you know, I, yes. I know that he's had an appointment. How did that go? How do yes. you feel about yes. it? Yes. Um But you've because, got there because you've got there because you've spoken at some point. <laughs> about, I'm, about yes. <laughs> yes, that's probably true. But <laughs> the te- texts are good. Texts are good. <laughs> keep, keep checking in. Yeah. Yeah. Um but it doesn't be a conversation. No. And if you're not if you're not if you're not living in the same place, then it's a phone call. Or a video consult, you know, video consultation. <laughs> video video. I'm obviously in GP mode. No, it's a video that's... call. Uh, it, it's, um, you know, it's just having having that conversation with the tones, with the, it, it, it just, it's just, it may be easier sometimes to write stuff down, but it's yeah. infinitely more productive and more satisfying to talk to your spouse. Mm. So, yeah, checking on them by all means throughout the day. And I think that's really nice, actually, Zainab. That you're sort of, you know that you know there's something stressful coming up today. But the reason you know that is because you check yeah. on Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, that's true. Other. That is true. I didn't think you of it that way, but you're right. Other. Yeah. So, so you know what's coming number... up for both of you. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's mm-hmm. that's number one. I think just um, just making that little bit of time. It might be like uh, I don't know, a cup of tea together, whatever, just to reconnect. Uh, I don't drink tea, so my husband's always like... That's you know, a big problem. He's really, <laughs> he's really finds that a problem. He really finds that a problem. But, you know, <laughs> if you drink tea, like most most normal people, then, you know, have a cup of tea together, whatever. <laughs> uh, um, so that's number one, is just sitting down and just talking, make contact mm-hmm. with each other, be curious, ask the questions. The other thing is that... Um, uh, that we often, it's very easy for us to see the faults in other people, especially our spouse, you know, oh, he's yeah. like this, he's like that, that's why he reacts in that way. We, we just forget to compliment. And it's the same with children, we say mm. the same thing, but even more so with our spouse, we kind of presume that they know that we're thankful that they do all the bills or they, they, that they, they're the ones that, you know, take the garbage out. Yeah. <laughs> we just presume that they know that, that they appreciate it. And it's the same way around. Yeah. It, 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 you know, I guess we don't always know we're appreciated. No, we like we to hear it, don't we? How much confident like you might be, and even yeah. if the whole world is telling you this and telling you, "Oh, you're amazing and wonderful," when it comes from your spouse, it's different. It's different. And so, it's if you remembered every day to say one thank you for something, mm. or one compliment, one just one every day, that is a constant connection that you're having automatically. Mm. Even and that's quite simple. It, even if you find it really hard and, and you've had a fight and it's just been awful, <laughs> terrible, <laughs> um, you can always find something. Yeah. And if they don't give it back to you, it doesn't matter. Because it may not come to them naturally. People say, well, I'm trying to do all this self-help stuff and improve myself and do all this connection, but there's nothing coming back to me. That's fine. The more you can, you can only, you can only change your behavior 
Yeah. But the more you make the culture of that, the more mm-hmm. actually you may find it come back to you. It may feel forced. It may feel, you know, if you can do it together, agree on it together, fantastic. But it, it may feel forced. It may feel unnatural. Uh, I, I don't find, I, I, it doesn't come to me naturally to give compliments, you know, mm. especially to, mm. especially to my husband, he knows that. Uh, it's, it's about asking for that. If it's something that we yes. feel we would, you know, benefit from, and if this is the closest person to us, can we not express yes. it? So the, know, yeah, sometimes we feel, the next thing, the next yeah, thing is like really, ask. yeah, exactly. The next thing is ask what you need. Tell mm. your spouse what you need. We as women are very complicated because we think that men have to read our minds. Like, why yeah. are they not knowing? Why, why, why are they not knowing? know this already? Exactly. It's been so many years. You didn't know that you were, you know, that I wanted you to do this. And sometimes when we sit down to connect, actually what we're wanting from them is just empathy or a hug or like you're doing a good job rather than some practical solve it all, you know, you know, thing. So um, it it might be just like, you know what, right now I just need a little bit of, I just need some some kind words from you or I just need some empathy. I just need to just listen. Just, just listen to me. I might rant. And you might think of solutions, just stop yourself from saying them. <laughs> just listen. So And it does sound it does sound so simple and it sounds like it's not the be all and end all, but there's so much evidence behind kindness, isn't there? Both, you know, giving it and receiving it. You know, you can imagine yeah. you know, receiving kindness will elevate your oxytocin and make you feel better and improve your health. But actually giving does the same thing and you know, that's and we're very good at doing it for others. We're so good at doing it for our friends and our mm-hmm. children. <laughs> yes. We just find the spousal relationship the hardest to do. And I think yeah. it's because it's because we're just not geared to do it that way or it just doesn't come to us naturally sometimes to just go, extend that extra bit of kindness to our spouse. So I, I so it's sort of so making contact, having like the five minutes, you know, catch up. Um asking and being curious saying mm-hmm. thank you complimenting asking for what you need it doesn't have to be a grand gesture we always often talk about making date nights and i mean i think they're really important date nights holidays away with your spouse very very important but that's less important than the daily contact daily connections that you can make yeah but every yeah. now and again go out together because you'll feel like you were when you were like um when you were courting it'll just it'll just take you back yeah <laughs> Yeah, you become the focus again. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. the other thing really is is the physical touch. Um, you're not, you're 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 not friends. You're not friends. Your partners. Your 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 husband and wife. And um, there's a huge amount of evidence, even for physical touch. Anyway, you know, the hug and things like that. Um, yeah. About the neural pathways that it creates and all the neurotransmitters that it, you know, oxytocin and all of this that 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 is released when you touch somebody. But touching your partner um, on a regular basis is so important, um, both for the husband and the wife. We often say when it comes to intimacy that the wife needs this constant, you know, physical, that it just shouldn't just come once a week or whatever, whatever it is for you in the bedroom, that it should be constant. But but I think a man needs that too. It's a human need. Mm. And Gottman says six, a six-second kiss. He talks about six-second kiss. And why, he's, why six seconds? Because... 
pecs just don't do it. <laughs> the small pecs don't do it. So in addition to saying I love you, it's making that contact. There's something called a 20, there's a 20 second hug, which is tough. <laughs> yeah, I read about the 20 second well, hug yesterday. Yeah, said the average yeah. is three seconds and that yes. just doesn't, doesn't have the same impact. No, no, no. So we might, we might like, oh, you know, like that, or it might be like a quick peck on the cheeks. It just doesn't do it. Not in the same way. And, um, it might be just like when you sit and watch a movie, just like sitting near each other and putting your arms around each mm-hmm. other. It's, it, the constant daily touch is really important. So if you are in the vicinity of each other, even if you haven't seen it, you know, even if like you've had such busy days, you haven't had a chance to even uh, sit for like five minutes and talk, fine. No one's in the mood to talk, fine. Just just before you sleep, do do a six second kiss or a 20 second hug or it doesn't matter about how many seconds, do it a bit for long. And you don't have to time it, just, yeah, for just long. prolong. Yeah, yeah, once, okay, time's <laughs> up, you're done. That's me done for the day. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's the intentionality of the touch. Um, one of the biggest issues between uh, marriages, one of the biggest reasons for breakup that you hear, that I hear often time and time again, is the lack of intimacy, the problems, you know, when it comes to intimacy. And uh, uh, and I think that it's really, really important to know what your partner's needs are in this, in this case and make sure that you prioritise that. Um and it starts with the touch. It starts with the kiss. It starts with, you know, these things. And it has to be a constant thing. It has to be a constant thing. Um, and again, it may not come naturally to you. Mm. We talk about love languages a lot. And I think that's useful. But we have to also remember that all of the love languages all apply. We all need physical touch. We yeah. all need words of affirmation. Yeah. Yes, some people might prefer predominant ones over the other. But mm. you need to do all of them, I think. You need to do all of them. Um, but there's nothing, there's nothing more valuable than touch and, um, and, and prioritizing that aspect. And I guess it. if you do start to build the habit of connecting more and talking more, then it may be something that you can also express verbally and actually, you know, start talking about these yes. things because it's not easy maybe yes. to, to, to discuss these things first. Yes. But, you know, once you've kind of prepared the, you know, the, done the preliminary work and actually started connecting more on a regular basis, then you can actually maybe talk about these things too. 100%. Talking becomes easier when you kept connecting. But also the, the, the crucial thing about connection is vulnerability. You cannot ever become intimate or connect with anyone on a deep level unless you're a little bit vulnerable. There's nothing more vulnerable than talking about your sexual needs or desires. There's nothing more vulnerable than that because there's a fear of rejection. There's a fear that the other person doesn't want what you want. There's a fear that the other person thinks, well, I've got, you know. But it's really important to get that out there at some point. The, 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 the sooner into the marriage, the better. You may not even know it for yourself. You may actually, and it may change through time. So you need to keep rechecking with each other, you know, but it does require a lot of vulnerability. It's a difficult conversation, really, really difficult and uneasy to have initially. It becomes easier the more you do it, but it's definitely helped if, you, if you're making constant bids for connection, if you're constantly on the lookout for a cue from your spouse as to this is a chance for us to connect, then it becomes easier to have the hard conversations. Wise words, wise words. Um, 
So this is, I guess, establishing and re-establishing connection. But for couples at the beginning of their journey, or if we were, you know, for, for those who may have children approaching uh, marriage age, you know, what are the sorts of things that you would advise, um, you know, that, that our children should know about or that maybe new couples should know about, about embarking on a marriage with connection in mind? I, I think one thing to know, first of all, is that some people say, I'm going to wait to get married until I, or I'm going to get married only when I've, you know, figured myself out yeah. <laughs> or, I, you yeah. know, but this is a false thing because like you said, we are relational beings and actually we won't sometimes know who we are until we are in a relationship with somebody else. I think when you go into the marriage, you must, you must have a mindset of, you must have a mindset of knowing that there, that wanting to grow, grow a little bit through this marriage. If you go into a marriage already very set on who you are, um, and sort of looking at all the gaps in the other person, I just think it's the wrong way to go in. I think go into a marriage knowing what fulfills you, what values you have. And knowing that, you know, your spouse shares those values, I think that's the best foundation. And we know, and and, and values, faith is a huge part of values. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that, oh, if it's just Shia, Sayyid, Pakistani or whatever, or that means we have the same values. It means really understanding what makes this person tick and where they see their future. Because well, that means understanding a lot about yourself as well. Yes. Don't you agree? So I think it takes a lot of introspection. It does. It does. Um, I think that sometimes, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Zainab, you got married much younger than me. Even. When I was married when I was 23, I don't know how much of it I knew of myself, but I knew mm. certain foundational things. Yes. I knew roughly what direction I wanted in life. Actually, when I got to know my husband, I didn't really know him as a person has started very well. <laughs> no. we, we are of the generation that we didn't get all this like months and months of getting to know each other. No. But what we knew, what we established from the first time we met is that we were kind of wanting the same things out of life. Later on, we discovered we're quite different personality-wise. Yeah. I we think we're still discovering, aren't we? We're still we're discovering still, ourselves. Still discovering. We're still discovering our spouse in the context Absolutely. of each but other. You grow, you grow and you develop with each other. So I think what I'd say to people starting out on the journey is make sure you've had those conversations about really like where are you where where do you see yourself in 10, 15 years time? What kind of children do you want to raise? You know, waiting for a child to come before you kind of realise that you're quite malaligned in how you want to raise yeah. this child is 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 gonna make it much harder. You're creating a much harder, you know, route for yourself. You don't have to agree on everything but the big massive fundamental stuff it's, it's much easier if you agree on those yeah. um and i think just if you if you if i if i could go back and tell my 23 year old something <laughs> i would say i would say um a talk about intimacy earlier <laughs> understand it from the other person's point of view earlier don't be naive and thinking that just as you see in the movies, that it's all going to come just like that because it's so natural and it's just like it's going to come to you. Um, and, I, and the other thing I'd say is that is that be patient with the differences because there will be differences and it doesn't mean 
that this is not the right person for you or yeah. that, you know, but, um, but use the fundamental, the fundamental, um, things that you have in common to yeah. build on the foundation of that. Love grows and develops and changes and evolves, um, with time. It's, 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 I would say, you know, the beginning of our marriage, you know, I, 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 we said that we love each other, but I don't think we even knew how deep it can become later on if you keep working on it. So marriage is work. Marriage is, doesn't have to be hard work, it can be fun work. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and always make, always make time to have fun and laugh and do all the silly things with each other. But definitely, that, you know, that was, that's another thing that I would always say about the connection aspect. Yeah. Um, but just just know that um, the best foundation for all of these things is, is, is faith in Allah because then you can go back to him. He can be your yardstick. You know, he can be the one that interconnects you when things feel really rough and things feel... If you have started your marriage off with the footing of faith and connection with Allah, then then even the hardest things can can somehow fall into place. But I, I just think make that your priority. Make that your priority when choosing your spouse. Make that your priority at the beginning of your marriage and everything like that. Um, so that when you wax and you wane, you go up and down, and as you will, that you're still kind of still moving in the same direction because yeah. you know, yeah. that's what you want to have. Like, well, it will change. It will inevitably change. And you have to be prepared with a bit of a growth mindset for, for that kind of change as well. I don't know if that makes sense. I think that's that's a beautiful way um, I think to finish today's episode because really my Muslim family is all about the God-centric family and that starts with the married couple. Um, so I love that as a way to end. Um, mm-hmm. Keep Allah in mind all the time and you're moving together towards him. Mm-hmm. Um, and marriage is work, but fun work. I think we can, yeah, we yeah. can. Uh, why, yeah. why not? We can trademark that. It doesn't have to be hard work. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been really insightful speaking to you, Kothar. It's it's been relaxed. It's been honest. And I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for being with us. Um, Inshallah, people will benefit from this conversation, benefit from the tips that you've shared. And we can also get some maybe links um, to other work that, you 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 know, either of us might have mentioned in this episode um, that people can look into further. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Kothar Abbas today. Um, I felt it was really insightful. Uh, My takeaway is going to be marriage is work, but it can be fun work. Um, And she shared so many tips, um, little things that we can all do to improve our connection in our marriage and build stronger uh, relationships for our children, inshallah to um, look to when they are older and also for more harmony and um, and peace in the home. Um, join us again for another episode of My Muslim Family next time, where we'll be speaking to another special guest um, on another challenge that Muslim families face. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.